You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove Podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood. For this week's Fun Fact Friday, we're going to be talking a little bit about Jackson Pollock. Now, in 2006, a painting called Number 5 by Jackson Pollock went up for auction. It sold for $140 million, making it the most expensive painting ever At that time, anyways. While that record has since been broken, it's interesting to think that Jackson Pollock, whose paintings sell for millions of dollars, spent much of his life in poverty. You might say the Pollock family was so poor, they didn't even own their name. Jackson Pollock, whose actual name was Paul, was the son of Leroy McCoy. Leroy basically went to work for a neighbor's farm when he was a child after his parents passed away. The neighbors took Leroy in and he adopted their surname of Pollock. Jackson struggled quite a bit in school and he was actually expelled from two different high schools. He basically bounced around doing odd jobs for a period after that. For a while, he worked as a custodian in an elementary school where his brother taught. And in the 1930s, he was known to be stealing food just to survive. By the 1940s, things were starting to look up for Pollock. While he was deemed unfit for military service because of his poor physical and mental health, from 1938 to 1942, he worked for the WPA Federal Art Project. And then in 1943, his big break came when he signed a contract with Peggy Guggenheim. Now, if you're thinking the name Guggenheim sounds familiar, it's probably because of the museum, which basically was her art collection. Peggy Guggenheim was basically the other end of the spectrum, having grown up extremely wealthy, although she was no stranger to tragedy as she lost her father on the Titanic. 
Guggenheim used her fortune to support the arts. Notably, in 1941, Guggenheim set sail from Nazi-occupied France with a surrealist collection. Literally hidden amongst the crates of artworks, she had a surrealist artist, Max Ernst. She was trying to help him escape to safety, get away from the Gestapo, and brought him to America. Guggenheim's endorsement helped to reframe Jackson Pollock from an unstable and struggling artist to a tortured genius and visionary American icon. In some ways, his rags-to-riches story fits the mythos of the American dream and social mobility, particularly if you don't look too closely and gloss over the way he seemed to have been tremendously self-destructive and kind of a jerk. The story of Pollock's rise, though, seems kind of poetic in some ways. While critics have derided his drip painting method as complete garbage that anyone can create, the fact that his work seemed so unremarkable in some ways has led to some tremendous discoveries of masterpieces in unexpected places. For a while, while I was a kid in the 90s, it seemed like I was hearing stories in the news like every couple of years about a Pollock painting being discovered in a garage sale. I know that happened at least twice. Um, in 1991, a woman bought a Jackson Pollock painting for $5 at a thrift store, and I believe she was later asking about $50 million for it. And so when you go thrifting, whether at a resale shop or a garage sale, Keep your eyes peeled because this absurd art world lottery continues to this day. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted? If you found this tolerable, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week in the show notes on Twitter at WoodArtEd and on the website WhoArtedPodcast.com. Podcast done.